Welcome to Jason in the Movie Nuts. I'm Jason Sachs. And I'm Chris Wunderlich. And uh, usually Chris and I talk about some oddball films, or an oddball film, but more experimental uh, stranger films. This week we're talking about a couple of movies that I gotta say are maybe a little comforting, but also then... kind of interestingly upsetting. Uh, not upsetting, <sighs> but upset the way you think of the world. Gregory's Girl and Local Hero. Yeah, they're they're almost disarmingly normal movies. Yeah. I have a lot to say about Local Hero because it's a movie that seems to be one thing on the surface and actually I think is a little bit of a different movie than it appears to be. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely the more interesting of the two. So you hadn't seen either of these, right? Before I mentioned no. them to you? No, definitely not. I've never even heard of these movies. Okay. Uh, what did you think? <laughs> Uh, well, I, I was, uh, intrigued when you said they were charming, comforting movies. And I thought this is, this is the opportunity that I'm going to take to actually sit down with my wife and watch one of these movies <laughs> that you recommend that we can watch for a podcast because maybe it'll be normal enough for her. She, she doesn't care for David Lynch, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, so we watched Gregory's girl together and, um, I don't know if I made the mistake of, but we watched the original Scottish version uh, that is not dubbed and maybe only understood about 70% of what they were saying. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and I didn't have subtitles, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a charming little movie and uh, my wife didn't like it at all because for her, it's all about how a movie ends or um, if it has a satisfactory storyline wrap up if you know if it's got that happy feel-good ending then it's a good movie to her if it's anything unexpected it doesn't work and this movie um was very unexpected because it's very um i don't want to say without conflict but it's very comfortable and sort of slice of life you just kind of follow these characters and what happens happens there isn't a lot pulling you along except for the very charming atmosphere, the very well-written script, um, the very realistic, charming characters. You know, it, it's sort of a different movie where uh, it, it's very different than an American high school movie, would you say? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it kind of deliberately subverts your expectations of an American high school mo- movie because it starts with the guys peering into the the nurse's locker room and staring at some bare breasts and you're thinking this is going to be porkies or something this is <laughs> yeah, be exactly. revenge of the nerds and instead it becomes this completely different kind of charming charming is the word everyone uses for bill forsyth films uh sure. slice of life kind of film uh, he has said in interviews that he does not like movies that have conflicts in them it's not <laughs> why he creates films that makes a lot of sense then uh and, and I think both of these movies actually are really interesting in the way they almost deliberately avoid conflict. Yes, yes. And, and uh, the way kind of everything just kind of coasts along in a way that's much more uh, pleasant. Yeah, and it's it's very strange to say that, to say that there isn't strong central conflicts, that things just sort of coast. And yet, you know what? These movies aren't boring. Um which I was kind of expecting when I I read the plots and I, I started watching and I thought there's not a lot, you, you know, like I, I'm just sort of enjoying what I'm seeing, 
But like, if this was a television show, I don't know if I'd watch the next episode. But again, I mean, Local Hero is two hours long and it, it's never boring. So this is why I thought this is a good match for the movies we talk about because they're movies that feel conventional and unconventional at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, they feel they feel very conventional in in terms of like, uh, I mean, there's not a lot to unpack here. You know, what you see on the screen is really all you need to know. And it, they leave you with a lot to think about, but they don't leave you with any big questions or they don't leave you with any twists or they don't leave you, you know, with this sense of like, wow, this movie's going to be in my head for a while they leave you with a sense of like, I just kind of went on a nice vacation and spent some time with some people I never met. And that was lovely, wasn't it? <laughs> they they do seem like such lovely, nice people. Uh, it's kind of this almost wistful kind of to watch a, a film like Gregory's Girl now and thinking, this reminds me so much of like my little high school adventures that weren't even like great stories you would tell in a way like stories you wouldn't tell at a bar at night but you but like this the whole sweetness and energy and feel of the of the film just kind of feels so three-dimensional i mean um you know the for example gregory's girl starts with this conflict or which seems like it can be a conflict yeah. where um gregory's plays for his high school soccer team and he's a terrible player he's easily distracted he's gawky he's kind of growing into his body still he doesn't know how he's going to hand yeah and then the coach comes to him and says we've lost seven straight games we're gonna i need to make some changes and then this girl goes out for the football team football team soccer team uh dorothy and he thinks she's the most beautiful girl he's ever seen and she's got actual soccer skills yeah so she takes his place and he kind of develops this big crush on her and she's above his kind of social status she's really kind of too good for him at this point in his life he wouldn't uh he he would be a bad boyfriend for her i'll put it that way <laughs> yeah and so it's like set up to be this this like conflict right is he going to get the girl is he not going to get the girl is he going to be jealous of her on the soccer team is he not going to be is the school going to be up in arms about a girl playing on the boys soccer team we um, set up a lot of potential conflicts right this <laughs> could be like full of all this kind of and as, as an american film you can absolutely see this stuff kind of play out right this there'll be a john hughes movie mm -hmm. 16 mm -hmm. candles part two would could be something really similar to this and there'd be all these comic misadventures and instead everything just kind of takes a whole different uh approach to things uh there's just a lot more of this idea of no controversy and more kind of acceptance a lot more of like um uh, we're living in we're living in a world that that people are um just figuring out their ways and not getting in arguments or building up conflict that's not necessary and therefore yeah. it just feels so i guess real in a very different way than we're used to well it feels real in a um in the in the way you wish reality was <laughs> almost yeah. where it's like you know, there's no school bully here. Um, you know, the the coach is trying to kick Gregory off the soccer team, and he almost doesn't care. And you know, this is a movie with a, a lot of a lot of football, a lot of soccer being played. There's no big game, <laughs> like, uh -huh. there's no big game scene. Um, you know, I mean, we don't really see Gregory's parents except for his dad in that one scene, who's sort of like, 
<laughs> who sort of brings to attention that he's not even a character in his life. It's like, so hey, crazy. Yeah. I haven't seen you in a while. Like, why don't we have breakfast sometime? I, <laughs> and then he goes away for the whole movie. And it's just sort of like, okay. I mean, I don't even, I never even got a sense of where Gregory lived in this movie. He lived like outside of a daycare or something. It, and did he live with his roommate who is a cook or not? I couldn't. Okay, so here, if he lives with his family. Here's the other thing that I didn't realize until I started watching some of the the bonus scenes about this, okay. about the movie. Um, I, I, I've forgotten the name of the town, but this town is a planned community in Scotland. Oh. And it had just been built in 1960. And it okay. was built to be um, like a place to get away from the big Scottish cities, which were much more crime-ridden and, um, and you know, just dirty and grungy. It's a place kind of often in the in the country in a way not even yeah. like a suburban town like a planned community like um there's a the disney town celebration florida that was a completely planned community with um you know a certain design that they that yeah they, uh, embrace and it's a big city in the new urbanism project it's a landmark scotland did the same thing and this town <laughs> was this planned town and so you know you see them wandering around these these this community where everything is like terraced around each other and um all the all the houses look the same they're like row houses that all look the same but they are all kind of spread around different areas they have this kind of very kind of 60s 70s feel to them this is all stuff that had been planned it's it was advertised as a new community wow um and so because of that um everyone's just a little bit rootless there yeah okay like they, yeah, families I... hadn't grown up there there's no idea like glasgow glasgow you'd see you meet families that have been there for generation after generation right but this sure. community is a new community and so therefore the people are relatively rootless hmm. and therefore gregory's a little bit rootless he doesn't he has his family but they're not even necessarily like a big part of his life uh his roots are very shallow there with his friends and and uh, just his sister yeah yeah uh so he has his family he lives in that in one of those council housing with them huh but the nature of the community is that everyone's just always wandering all around to each other um doing whatever they living almost this weird kind of free-range protected life because he lives in the house where the, he makes out with Susan at the end. Right, right, right. And yeah, I mean, his sister visits him at the end of the movie. So they're obviously living in the same building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's, yeah, be, I think because of, in part of the setting. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's not really actually kind of, he's, he's in his own little world, I guess. See, that explains a lot because watching this, one of the things my wife pointed out was she's like, this reminds me a lot of Edward Scissorhands in yes. terms of the setting where it's very structured and suburban, but new, but retro, but, you know, like, yeah, very, uh, Tim Burton must've watched this beforehand. I, I love that, that thought. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, except with it, all the strange whimsy, it has a very, um, a, a comforting whimsy about it. Like, yeah, you're right. They're walking around and there, there's no Scottish street punks. Um, there's a lot of like, you know, hiking at nighttime. <laughs> the town is called Cumberland. 
Cumbernauld, uh, excuse me. Cumbernauld, yes, yes. In Abron Hill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, okay, you know, I kind of wish the movie had made that more obvious because that probably would have shaded the way I watched parts of the movie. Oh, I like the comparison to Edward Scissorhands because it does feel a little unreal, doesn't it? It feels a little kind of overly cinema. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I like the word you've been using, rootless, right? That's what I mean. We're in Scotland, but there's, you know, there, there's no castles, right? There's no old buildings. I mean, do they even go to a pub? I don't, I don't recall. No, there isn't any. No, because they're too young, really. Yeah, but I mean, that's not like a, yeah, it doesn't, it seems like a Scotland um, that's been placed in America or something. Very new, right? Yeah, yeah. And the school feels like any generic school, too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's not, uh, there's no, um, you know, Britishness proper, uh, you know, like if you were setting a movie in uh, England somewhere, right? You know, it'd be in an old castle looking sort of building and all the kids would be prim and proper. But you're right, this, I mean, this almost feels like a a Japanese setting where every high school looks the same. Every locker is in the same spot. I was literally in a high school in in, uh, Arlington, Washington. Okay. A few weeks ago for a holiday fair. Yeah. And so we were walking through the whole high school as people are at, at the vendor booths and it felt like it could have been the same high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's very interesting how it's um it's not a generic setting, but it is sort of like an idealized setting. And it's only extremely Scottish <laughs> because of listening to the people talk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that gives I, I think Forsyth wanted to give it a universal feeling. Yeah, yeah, or a generic, generic town that could be anywhere, literally anywhere. Uh, which is interesting because local hero is so based in geography. Oh yeah, I mean local hero, the the you know, it's almost like Scotland is the character of the movie, right? Yeah, well, that's a good insight. Yeah, yeah, we should get to that in a bit. Uh, what did you make of Gregory as our lead character? Well, I mean, I love Gregory, right? He's a a, a great actor playing. Um, a very realistic character, gangly, awkward guy, but uh, not cartoonishly so. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got his friends, but it. I, I was so glad there was no conflict where it's like, you're my best friend, but we're fighting over a girl, so maybe we won't be friends for half the movie. And then we accept each other at the end. Like, I hate that plot. And it's always everywhere. And it wasn't in this one. This one's like, yeah, Gregory has some friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're proud of him when they see him with a girl. Great. Right. Well, mm-hmm. Gregory and the girls in the movie have friends too, and they all help each other. See, now that that's the part that didn't that they didn't sell me on. Uh, okay. I felt like Gregory was very realized. I felt like he was an extremely real character. And you know, his friends were interesting and quirky. There was great dialogue. It was natural. You know, he he had the the coach who could have easily been the villain of the movie. But instead the coach is just sort of like well, Gregory sucks at football, and I'd uh-huh. like to win a game for once. So, but he doesn't kick him off the team or anything. He's just sort of disappointed in him the whole movie. <laughs> like, man, that kid, that kid's just terrible at this game. Well, what am I going to do? Right. So, uh, it, you know, but then it feels like all the male characters are well realized. And then I felt like there was really only one female character in this movie uh, that made any sense to me, and that was the little sister interesting because i think in some way she's the least realistic character in the movie she might be the least realistic 
but that she's most realized. Well, her relationship with Gregory is just the sweetest part of the movie. Yeah. It's just it's my favorite part of the movie. And her as a character is just she's my favorite character in this movie. And yes, yeah, she's maybe a little unrealistic, but she's like a very strong character. And you know, she cares about her brother, and there's no sibling rivalry or conflict. And she's just like a little mother to him. And it's adorable and lovely. And then I feel like all the other women in this movie, especially uh, Dorothy, right? The crush. She's just sort of there to be the talented crush. And then, I mean, we can talk about the climax of the movie, (laughs) the last quarter or third of the movie, Mm -hmm. which didn't make any sense to me um, anyway. Like, what did you make of it? Yeah, I actually thought Dorothy was more realized than actually I thought she was at first watch. Okay. Because she has um a lot of agency. She's um she knows who she is. She has a lot of confidence in herself. And yeah. she's just this girl who you could tell is um just one of these people who's uh very certain about who she is. Yeah. Uh, right. And so reading into that, like she's probably a kid who's got good parents who encouraged her to be herself and strong and it takes a certain amount of courage to be so steadfast not steadfast to be just so matter of fact about being a girl on the boys soccer team yeah yeah i should say like i'm saying the boys soccer team it's just the soccer team right there wasn't even soccer at that time right (laughs) yeah there was girls field hockey right that's it yeah they make a point about that so just to go out for the for the soccer team um so in, in that, I see um, this kind of inner confidence. And even just in the way she interacts with Gregory, like um, when she says, hey, come help me, um, help come help me practice scoring goals. Yeah. Uh, and then when he asks her out on a date and she matter-of-factly accepts it, um, and we see that we have the short scene before that with her friend Susan that sets up uh, the conclusion um, I think we see a lot of who she is in the in those scenes. It's just a little more. I mean, it. You know, Gregory's our POV character, so we're always going to see the the world mostly through his eyes. Yeah, but the, I, you know, you're absolutely right um, about Dorothy's character. But maybe that's what I didn't like about it. It seems like all of the boys in this movie are very unsure of themselves. And their place in the world. And, you know, Gregory's two friends who are trying to get to Caracas because they think there's women there for them, right? And they're always trying to impress all the other girls in school with their bizarre facts for some reason. And the one friend that doesn't talk who has a horrible tooth gap. And then at the end, right? And and again, there's like these really well-realized male characters. But then all the women characters seem like they've got it together. You know, Dorothy, she seems like she's got it together. And then when we meet the other women in this movie, they're not uh, awkward teenagers. They're very sure of themselves in what they're doing. And, you know, they can just walk up to Gregory and say things. And he's like flustered, like, whoa, a girl's talking to me, right? And we all can relate to that as teenagers. But then it's it's almost like the, the girl teenagers in this movie are all mature, put together characters who are in control of their lives and know what they want. And I mean, the whole ending of the movie is this plan set in motion by this group of girls and they have complete confidence in this plan and there's no awkwardness about them. And I mean, even again, Gregory's little sister, right? She's 10 
and she acts like she might as well be 25 in terms of like well you know i do know things about boys i am a girl don't you know and uh, you gotta look good don't you you don't have any sense of style i know about style i'm you know <laughs> it, it was almost unrealistic how uh together the girls were compared to the boys oh i think it's a stylistic quirk that the the about maturity in this film in general because yeah. Forsyth does this the thing too where the teachers are less mature than the than the youngest people in the movie the younger you are the more mature you seem to be which is uh, this quirky little again quirky interesting way of kind of subverting what you expect there's the one scene where the little boy comes knocking to meet Gregory's girl uh Gregory's sister yeah. He's like, well, when I go for a walk with her, he said, you're 10 years old. What are you doing? Act your age. And he's like, just want to go for a walk with your sister. I can be a mature one. I'm like, what are you thinking? It's like, yes, yes, you're definitely right on that. And I, I agree with you to an extent. Yeah, the boys are just, a, you know, the the boy, the one boy who faints seeing a pair of breasts. I mean, come on, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're telling me you're not sneaking views into dad's playboys. Uh Actually, weren't there topless women in British newspapers? I mean, oh, I'm sure they had a thing. Yeah, the um, the lock sensors. Yeah, uh, but um, I yeah, I I I see the the complaints about feeling feeling I'm realistic, but I'll say this: like, I had friends who were theater kids when I was in high school. Yeah, was part of my cohort, right? And uh, I absolutely could see the. I have stories of actually about girls doing similar things. Yeah, uh, as pranks or as at parties or whatever to kind of just play with the boys and just have a little bit of fun. Uh, and you know, the, I think the boys were. I I remember fewer stories of the, of the guys doing that kind of thing to the girls at that time, but um, no, I, I I think that's not completely unrealistic. Now the way it all plays out is a bit wacky, I suppose. Yeah, but that's just it. I didn't understand how it played out. So I mean. I mean, okay, Gregory asks Dorothy on a date, and Dorothy immediately says yes, and then he's waiting and waiting for her, and she doesn't show up, but this other girl shows up. She says, well, you might as well walk with me, and we'll go get some chips, you know, some french fries. Okay, well, I guess if Dorothy's not showing up, I'll go get some chips with you. And then she goes, and, and, uh, you know, they, they get some chips, and then another girl shows up, and she hands them off to another girl, and Gregory's just completely confused. And then so the girl walks him around for a while and drops him off at the last girl. And and then he ends up going on a date with this last girl. And I mean, I, I don't understand. the. I, is there a point being made? I mean, Gregory is extremely happy going on this date with this last girl. And he has a great time and he kind of falls for her. And then it's just sort of like, yeah, that that's just what happened. He felt uh, like the, the handoffs just felt weird, right? Well, it's, I mean, okay, put it this way. Gregory is acting very confused. He yeah. doesn't know what's going on. Clearly, these girls have a plan up their sleeve, and he's just just along for the ride. And, you know, I was sort of waiting for the payoff as well as he was. And I don't know what the payoff was. If the payoff was supposed to be, well, this last girl that he meets was the one that had a crush on him, and she wanted to go out on a date with him. So all the girls conspired to set them up together and they went about in this very awkward confusing way then it's like well i, I kind of wish that girl was a character earlier in the movie too i mean she's in a scene or two maybe like yeah we, we, we know agree. we've seen her before but it's like who is she 
why do we care that she goes on a date with Gregory? And then why is Gregory just like, oh, any girl giving me attention? Great. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I guess that's realistic, but at the same time, he's sort of just like, I guess I'll go on a date with you. And the girl sure. is very better. Sure. I mean, he has relationships with these girls from school anyway. Kind of. They're not strangers I mean... to him. He yeah, probably has classes with them. He knows them. They probably had developed though, you know. They're like, not developed they're, in the context yeah. of the movie. Yeah. 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 And I think that's that's where it really falls flat. I mean, at the end, you know, Gregory falls for this this girl. And we're like, oh, was she the one in the cooking class that we saw? She had maybe yeah. two lines earlier. That's great. But again, she seems completely confident, like we set up this whole plan and hey, do you want to go out a date with me? And I mean, their date is just like lying in the park. And it, I don't know, it, it just didn't have that like, ah, <laughs> you know, it wasn't satisfying to me. It was just sort of like, oh, he, he just met this girl who I don't care about. And okay, he's happy with her. And all right. You know, and then Dorothy, he ends the movie with just a shot of Dorothy hiking at night. It's like, okay. Yeah, running. That left me very empty. <laughs> she well we we get the opening scenes with her running also so that it's a callback yeah. to the beginning of the movie yeah but not again not a strong bookend no and the, i think we're also supposed to get a sense like she's just too fast for him she's not his speed i i mean i got the sense that it was like oh yeah dorothy's busy so come along with me and it's like no she wasn't busy she's just doing her thing jogging she's doing her thing but she wants to let him down gently have him go through this whole thing and Set him, set her yeah. up, set him up with her, with their, her friend, and yeah, I, yeah, it's a little bit of like we want to build up his confidence so he's ready for a nice time with this girl, but uh, it does feel a little uh, unreal. Yeah, it just feels like I'm glad they took an unorthodox approach to the plot. You know, I'm glad it wasn't just like oh, he went on a date with her happily ever after. Like, okay, I'm glad he didn't get the girl in the end that he wanted and it didn't play it in a normal fashion but the way it played out uh i was just sort of you know still waiting for the shoe to drop like yeah why did this happen why was this the climax of the movie you know it took up a good chunk of time and why is gregory suddenly like really charming with this girl he barely knows i guess it's because he didn't have a crush on her that he feels comfortable enough with her but it might be that because he had these experiences with these other girls along the way, built up in his confidence enough, so he's able to kind of feel like he can be. Uh, Maybe they weren't even experiences though; they were just like, "Oh, you'll see. Oh, follow me. Oh, you'll see. Oh, just relax." Like the other thing, I don't know. Yeah, and, and I think you're 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 right about all that. Um, the other thing is like it's just one night right and they, yeah. they're just kids right yeah. so there are a couple of friends who have are a, a couple that has a kind of nice quick little evening together and then we'll we'll see how it all plays out right and which i like i like because the of that, it just feels like this little tiny slice in time yeah where they where they have this this funny series of events that happen and they're just kind of uh this high school relationship is going to be whatever it is, you know? And so in that way, I don't know, it feels very casual. Which I liked. Uh, again, like in, in concept, the way you're explaining it makes it sound pretty good, right? Uh -huh. 
like I like the idea of just having one kind of strange night where all these little things happen and it just uh, you know no big events occur but everyone goes to bed a little happier right yeah. and like what what a magical little evening good in concept but again it felt like he was being strung along by like oh he's a little immature boy being strung along by all these girls that have this perfect plan in motion yeah and it's like you couldn't i almost couldn't see these girls as real characters because they just seemed so older and mature and confident and it's like well we have this plan and this is how it's going to go and you know it's almost like gregory's character development suddenly got stunted because it's like oh instead of actually having to develop the girls just pulling along it's fine yeah yeah i i can see that i just keep wondering if this is going to help spur his own development i mean that would be ideal right but then the movie yeah. ends so there's no way of knowing yeah uh, I'm, okay so it I'm, sounds I'm, like you liked it less than i did i mean i enjoyed the ride but at the end i was i was unsatisfied um except for the soundtrack which i loved so much it was so corny and so perfect right and, yeah that's so like early 80s and so yeah yeah how fashionable <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh what was what was your opinion of local hero seeing it for the first time uh well it, i mean it certainly felt like a bill forsyth movie having <laughs> just seen gregory's go right it was very um you know we're put into a, a setting that is both familiar and a little a little more ideal right you get the big office buildings and stuff uh but it's not new york right it's houston so it's, it's maybe mm -hmm. not what anyone uh expects and you get Burt Lancaster, who's the boss, and it's like, okay, well, he's going to be the boss character, but he's just a little, a little different, a little askew than you might expect, right? And uh, yeah, the movie just sort of goes along, and you're taken for the ride, and it's like, oh, this this was nice. Uh, I I don't really know what's going to happen next. I don't really care what's going to happen next. But um, I like everyone that's on the screen, right? Like the actors, superb cast, right? Great script, great cinematography, direction. Nice little touches here and there. It's like, oh, I'm just in this nice little place and these things are happening. It's, it's just kind of nice, right? Uh, so I, I have to say, I, having watched this movie now several times, okay, I, this is actually one of my favorite movies. Okay, see, I've and I'm reading the acclaim for it, and there's more than just you people saying that. Like, what Al Gore said, this is his favorite movie. Well, and there's a few reasons for it. Uh, okay, what is it? Just a beautiful <clears throat> film, as you're saying. The cinematography yeah. is is supernatural. Yeah, and the idea of um. Okay, so let me, let me put it this way: it's a movie that seems to be like. Um, Mac Peter Re the Re Peter Rieger character mm -hmm. finds this town that's like this brigadoon, this lost mm -hmm. uh, Scottish <laughs> town. It's a good way of putting it. It's this almost, a, the, and it's kind of this glorification of the exotic. But it turns out that none of that is actually true. That what the way people seem to be um, imagined is not the way people actually are. And in fact, usually the way you perceive people as being is the way they are actually not. So, for example, 
Mac is our lead character. Yeah. He's our POV character. <clears throat> and we see him come to the town and have the town work its magic on him, ca- cause him to slow down and cause him to kind of grow as a person. Yeah. In this case, I can use the term magic, but I'm going to deliberately move away from it in a minute. Um, <laughs> but Mac is a completely ineffectual character. Yes. He's useless. Yes. To the point where even his the the um, the CEO of the gas company he works for doesn't even know his name, mistakes um, other people for him. Right, right. Everyone in this movie appears to be one thing, but actually is something different or something more or something uh, larger than themselves or just different from themselves. So um, Olsen, who's Peter Capaldi in his first movie role. Oh, is this is, his first? This is his first movie role. In fact, he was a musician <laughs> with a popular oh, wow. band in England at the time and never acted in a film before. It's like 19 or 20 in this movie. I'm so young. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Um hmm. Yeah, there's a great little anecdote, by the way, about um, when he was being cast for the film. Uh, he, for some reason, they were talking in the U.S. and um, sorry, and one of the uh, producers of the film, um, like, picked him up, and they stopped at his hotel. They stopped at the hotel, and um, then had to go off to the site. They stop at the hotel. the The guy goes to take a shower. Uh, Capaldi turns on Doctor Who <laughs> and the producer hears the Doctor Who sound and he's like oh my god I worked on that show I don't want him to I, I'm embarrassed of the work we did on that show because it was so cheap and yeah, Capaldi yeah. says um, oh man this is the greatest thing ever I would love to work on this someday there you go there you go uh, so he appears to be this kind of provincial guy yeah right um who seems to look up to Mac like Mac is you know this this uh, guy from the corporation is apparently doing well and mm-hmm. yet uh, Olsen speaks eight languages or nine <laughs> languages Russian's yeah. one of mine doesn't speak Not Gaelic doesn't <laughs> speak Gaelic which is very interesting right yeah. but he has this whole journey in the movie himself yeah where he yeah. falls in love with uh, Marina <clears throat> the the mermaid girl mm-hmm. and so he kind of and then he comes out in the end as the one who actually causes the change in the in in the way the town is managed oh, that's and true, so yeah. um yeah. he there's a lot more to him than appears to be on the surface in one way he seems to just be this goofy guy another way he's like an agent of change yeah yeah uh so you know and another thing uh and the thing <clears throat> that's often grabbed onto is that uh it would be traditional for a movie like this to be all about the forces of progress are coming to have hit this town. And, <laughs> you know, we hate the, we hate the, the, the change that's going to happen. So it's going to be about the people of the town rising up to rebel against this big oil company that wants to take them over. But no, instead they're all greedy for the money. They all want to make, they all want to get rich. They all want to, uh, to achieve something in their lives. They all want to, uh, yeah, they're talking about getting Maseratis and Rolls Royces. Yeah, it, it definitely subverts <laughs> all so the complexes. Not only does it subvert that, but then also below <clears throat> that surface is you got to remember these people are living this pretty hard scrabble life. Yeah, yeah. They're fishermen. Everyone has to work multiple jobs. They don't get a lot of visitors to the town. 
it may be set in this beautiful cove, but as the Russian says, you can't sell views. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can't sell vistas. Um, so these people are living this hard scrabble life. So they actually have a good reason for wanting to move out of their, uh, the world they're living in and kind of be able to make some money and do something else with their lives. Get out of this hole they're in. Yeah. It's yeah, it's not, it's not idyllic. Right. It looks idyllic, but the lifestyle isn't. So I like how Forsyth takes all these elements that you expect are going to go one way. Yeah. And kind of does this head fake of, you know, you're going to see these people as greedy and that's going to make them funny. Or you're going to see these people as, uh, you can see the oil company as rapacious, but actually yeah. that's going to go a different way. Um, and instead just completely subverts everything. I mean, yeah, he, he subverts every expectation. That's, that's absolutely true. Um, yeah. Like what you said, Mac is, is completely ineffectual as a character. He's, he's this, uh, broken agent of change right he comes in and and tries to make things happen and and they sort of happen on their own and uh everything just sort of flows through him right yeah he tries real hard to do one thing and <clears throat> it's almost like you know he's trying to sell it to the people the people have already bought it they're fine right and <laughs> it's it's very interesting in that i think you're right it is about uh yeah, seeing one thing and it being the other thing. And so that's part of why I like this movie so much is that uh, it's got this surface that's so beautiful and clear and and seems so obvious. And then the, the more you think about it, the more you really observe these characters, the more you see there's there's more going on there. Yeah, well, yeah, there's more going on there um for better or worse right yeah okay well like like victor the russian um is this great investor but he should be a communist yeah. right <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you were gonna you were leading to something though no i was just i mean that's the thing this movie makes you sort of just think and think about what happened in it and you know you look for deeper meaning and it's there but what does that what does that deeper meaning tell you it's just sort of like yeah, I mean, Max says it himself. He's like, you know what? Just trade me straight up for the life I have. He's like, you can go to Houston. You can have my expensive cars. You can have my high-paying job. Take it all. I just want to live in this tiny town with this woman here who I've fallen in love with. I just want to get drunk and just enjoy life in Scotland. And you sort of think like, okay, is this where his character is going? Is this, you know, the change that you're going to see him you know, uh, take off the shackles of capitalism, almost settle down, right? And then when the end of the movie comes, it's sort of like, hey, Mac, go home. You're done here. And he just flies away. And he's like, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I think the ending here was really powerful in terms of uh, so much is set up, so much is revealed to us here at the movie. Uh, you know, we get such a strong sense of the characters and of the place that when Mac is just pulled out of the scene, you know, literally by helicopter, like he's not even driven out of town. He's just plucked and thrown back home. We feel that same way. It's sort of like, oh, you know, what, what do you take away from this experience? You, you have to kind of sit down and just think about it for a while because it's like, what, what, what did that experience mean? Mm -hmm. You know, did it mean like, okay, that oil companies are uh, tearing apart our, our nature? Well, no, not really. That's, that, that wasn't the point of it. Does it mean that like, oh, the slow way 
to slow down and really enjoy life? Is that the ideal way? Well, you know, no, that point was never, that, that point never really sunk in because I mean, these people couldn't wait to get out of that kind of life, right? So it does, it makes you sort of just sit and appreciate what you just saw, but, but wonder what it meant, you know? Well, the tragedy of it is that Mac is the only one who doesn't get what he wants in the end. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Because um, they're not going to build the oil refinery. They're going to build a, you know, sea and stars nature <laughs> yeah. reserve. Yeah. And so uh, Marina uh, is going to get her marine sanctuary. Mm -hmm. is going to be, uh, he's going to lead that effort. Um, Britt Lancaster as Happer, his character is going to get his observatory he wants. All the villagers are going to get jobs working for this marine sanctuary. The nature is going to be preserved. So everything, the only person who doesn't get what he wants in the end is yeah. Mac. Yeah, and you, he didn't even do anything wrong. <laughs> he was trying his best. Yeah, but he doesn't, he did, yeah, but he's just a telex man. He's not a man. Um, yeah. You know, he's not a man who's used to the, the physical contact. <clears throat> but uh, that is sort of a sad, sad message. I it's mean. so tragic, though, isn't it? Yeah, because, I mean, he does his job well, and he goes in, and he's there, and he's focused on his goal, and he doesn't try to upset anyone. He's not ruthless in any way. You know, he, he he's very friendly to the people, but also businesslike, thinks he's doing exactly what he should be doing. And yeah, you're right. It just uh, really doesn't work out for that guy. He's never really an insider, though. He's always an outsider. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's his right. Outsider He's nature is what kind of kills him, right? <laughs> Olson kind of becomes part of the fabric of the community. Yeah, I mean, Mac, right? He's, Mac holds oh, yeah, himself we're him, separate because he's Scottish. It's like, well, actually, yeah. I'm Hungarian, but don't tell anyone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he can't even fit in to america properly people don't even know who he is and he's living the life he thinks he should you know oh i got an expensive car and i got a good job you know but we learn the only uh, pre-existing relationship he has with someone is terrible right yeah you have no sense of any sorts of roots he has yeah and he goes to this community where everyone is connected yeah deep roots right yeah and, and he, I guess he longs for that. He longs for the connection. Yeah. So living and, in this yeah. tall office tower. I mean, it's not for nothing that in the early scenes in the movie we see him in Houston, and when he call when he talks to his friend in the office, he calls him. When he wants to ask a, the, one of the secretaries out for a date, he calls yeah. her, even though yeah. she's you know twenty feet away from him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so you can also read him as being like very modern. This is this oh, is yeah. the communication we have over the internet. This is the filtered way we deal with the world now instead of actually being in contact with people. Absolutely. So you can read this movie as a a kind of plea to um, actually make actually make human connections and not just yeah. not use technology, but actually be there. And I mean, yeah, that's the thing. He's not an awkward person. You know, he's no Gregory. He's, he's very able to talk to everyone. Um, and he doesn't feel uncomfortable in social situations. 
you know, but at the same time, you can tell, like, yeah, once he figures out that there's like a, a community, he realizes what he doesn't have. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have a community. He has a work life and a unfulfilling home life. And, you know, where's that going? And even Happer, the CEO who in our first scene, we see him falling asleep at a board meeting. A, because he's bored and B, because he was watching the stars all night. Yeah. Um, and he has a professional abuse counselor, which is apparently a thing. <laughs> which is a great touch to this movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> And it's like, oh, thank God we have something that's completely silly in the middle of everything. Yeah, um, completely silly. But he goes, and he's a man who's isolated. He lives on his own, literally in an ivory tower. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so he he's, lives on the top of everything. Goes to Scotland, has his uh, time with the man who lives in the beachcomber. Yeah. Uh, so he goes from the top to the bottom on the sea level. And has this great kind of evening with it with his uh, new friend, uh, Mister Knox, and they they yep. hammer out the deal, and he is able mm-hmm. to make a human a true human connection, and build something that's going to be his legacy. Oh yeah, you can tell he was absolutely charmed immediately. <laughs> so this man who even the the Lancaster <laughs> character Happer, who seems to be you know completely abstracted from everything around him is actually like uh makes true human connections yeah yeah and i guess that's what leads to the the happy ending for almost all right it's just that like oh this guy came down and touched humanity and and realized (laughs) and this is how everything worked out in the end right yeah it didn't just touch humanity but like literally they made a true connection right there were hours laughing and drinking and having a great time and you know, yeah, really be obviously relating to each other's people. Talking about the stars. Meanwhile, Mac is still thinking about almost like owning, right? It's like, well, you, I, I want to keep Stella. I want to have Stella. Like Stella can make her own mind up. It's obviously a woman who knows her yeah. world. Yeah, she was a bit of a strange character. You know, so dedicated to the one guy and then sort her of thrown it into the mix. Yeah, I then, love Stella and her cart and how much they're in love with each other. They're so yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of little interesting, a lot of little interesting connections in the movie, right? And that that's just it. I mean, it's sort of like it's it's very much a vacation movie in terms of you know you are Mac, you fly to this place, you discover this place, you learn its geography, right? There's a lot of talk of the geography. Here's the hills. Here's the church. Here's the Right? You get to know the place, you get to know the people. And it's like, even if you don't have this, this conflict tugging you along, it feels very much like you're on vacation. Yeah. And sort of just like, I'm spending time with these people. I'm learning about this place. I'm enjoying the views because, boy, they give you good views to enjoy in this movie, right? Oh, my God. The physical beauty of that area is just amazing. And the work they do to bring it alive on the screen is supernatural i mean well and I, I love when he's like oh you should go to the beach and it's like yeah you know what i would love to go to the beach as a viewer take me to the beach <laughs> you know yeah, they actually film this in two different locations because the town and the beach are on different sides of scotland and if you're a <laughs> scot you would know the difference oh very nice <laughs> also they had to build the phone box because the phone box in the town was uh in a different location that wasn't perfectly suited for filming it uh, but regardless, um, 
yeah yeah it, it's definitely a place you'd uh, i guess they still get a lot of visitors because of the movie oh yeah yeah i'm very surprised how popular or how um like what kind of status and, and legacy this movie carries uh because it is such a a small comfortable like there's no twist to it i mean there's a little bit of a twist but it it's not a movie that captivates you with amazing performances even though all the actors are great and doing a wonderful job you know it's not a movie that it's not like fargo where the the language is so local and charming that it's like oh yeah where they talk like that you know they're scottish they talk like scottish people they're not caricatures right well yeah and i think that's an interesting point because um Peter Riegert's a different actor than Francis McDormand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? She's very showy in that movie, too. And oh, you she's... can read her face, and she yeah. takes on the accent, and she's got this, you know, fully rounded character to her that mm-hmm. just bounces off the screen. Mac is this, played by Peter, Peter Riegert, who, you know, in Animal House, he was kind of a wild character, but he's very into kind of the subtle movement. He wants to act small right as a corporate guy he's very controlled Um, he's a perfect stand-in he's the everyman right he's an everyman but also he's um he's he's not the most expressive person either no no it takes some work to see what he to feel what he's really feeling and so um he's a very guarded person and so he doesn't pop off the screen he kind of sits on the screen the only character who i think pops off the screen is burt lancaster because he has that charisma yeah Uh, he has a certain amount of grace to him and the way he moves in space yeah he's definitely old hollywood right (laughs) yeah he's old hollywood yeah there's there's so many stories about him hanging Mm -hmm. out with people uh, who who worked on the movie and uh they just loved him he would tell stories all day long about he wasn't just old hollywood he was an an old um, circus performer really i didn't know know this he was a trapeze artist i believe what (laughs) He's, he's incredibly graceful and was was able to uh like in his older movies he was like this electric character because he's so uh active on screen yeah uh, which makes him a great like deus ex machina <laughs> yeah yeah um so i think it like it that's that's part of the beauty of it too is that the characters are on the screen but they don't jump off the screen yeah and yet they're so good <laughs> Yeah, they you know, all like, kind of fit so well together. And yeah. um, they feel more like real people where Fargo feels a little more exaggerated. Oh, of course. I mean, that's the thing. Fargo's like, it, it has that plot that keeps twisting and turning. And it has the the hilarious lines and the hyper violence, right? It's a movie of extremes. Yeah. This is a movie that is totally just not extremes. <laughs> They're different movies, completely different movies. Completely. I love Fargo too. I think Fargo is oh, amazing. I mean, like yeah, yeah. I'm crazy about the Coen brothers in general oh, and how outlandish it is but like the the subtlety of this film and the way it plays so dramatically against expectations and yeah. really kind of the plotless feel to it also it's got a plot but it doesn't have a plot at the same time yeah i mean it has a plot but it, it is that subversion of expectations that that complete um ignorance of conflict <laughs> it's like you know they even have uh jets flying overhead dropping bombs nearby and you think like oh okay there's more than meets the eye here and then the preacher just says yeah well they're dropping bombs here they're not dropping them anywhere else so it's yeah. not bad <laughs> you know? well, the preacher's a key to this movie too in a very sm- small way 
in that he's also, you know, Scottish. He's got mm-hmm. a Scottish name. Yeah. But he he moved there from uh Africa to do his training and he stayed there. Yeah. And the there's outside, he's another man, in. another outsider. Yeah. Yeah. Who is actually an insider because he yeah. is willing to change. He's a he's a Mac that was able to change. Yeah, and even him, he's like, Oh, you want to buy my church? Huh. Well, you know, <laughs> that's not a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I guess you can see what part of why I love this film so much. Yes, this I understand local hero. I I'm very surprised um, that a wider audience sees all that because it's so under the surface. Uh, you know, all the great things about this movie are so under the surface that I'm very impressed <laughs> that a lot of people have embraced it and discovered it and and found the goodness and like, you know, it. it it's lived in them kind of thing. You know, it, it hasn't been ignored and forgotten. It's like, oh yeah, local hero, legendary Scottish movie, right? I mean, I've never heard of it, but in terms of Scottish movies, I hear it's pretty high up there, right? It, there's there's few Scottish movies that people uh, embrace more than this one. Yeah. Because exactly. it's truly Scottish. I mean, that's one thing about it too, is before he made feature films, Forsyth was a documentary filmmaker. Yeah, I read and he that, made yeah. industrials for uh, businesses in Scotland. So mm-hmm. he knew the landscape, he knew the people, and uh, from what I understand, there's very few films that are actually like, other than films set in Edinburgh or uh, Glasgow, uh, there's very few Scottish films that take on this sort of uh, landscape. Well, it, see, it impresses me because it reminds me a lot of um, like legendary Canadian movies that are made like by Canadians and only known by Canadians. <laughs> um, there's a lot of movies like this that are sort of uh, not aimless, but sort of just flow along and are like hugely regarded in like Canadian circles of film buffs where they're like, oh, Mon Oncle Antoine, what a, what a cinematic masterpiece. And it's like, well, it's sort of like this movie. It, it, uh, you know, it delves deep into the Canadian culture and it's very much like that. And it's kind of a nice little story and it flows and it takes you with it. And it's nice. And it's like, yeah, there's, there's a real audience for these kinds of movies, but I wonder if they're hyper-local or if they're, you know, cinema buffs like you and me, right? You got me curious to watch them. Yeah. I'm, well, that's just it though. It, it's, are you going to appreciate it? Like you can appreciate this movie where a lot of people have been able to appreciate this movie, or is it going to be one of those under the radar movies? That's like, Oh, that's, a, that was actually really good. No one talks about this movie. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, this movie is like you said, it's a vacation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, I guess in some ways we all, feel like mac at the end we took this we took this vacation to this beautiful landscape met these amazing people who are quirky and unique and funny and you know stick in our memories but we got to go back to our real lives and this is just going to be like that trip to costa rica where we saw the monkeys and met that nice couple from pittsburgh yeah yeah it's gonna all all kind of drift away into our memories yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. This movie, I enjoyed watching it start to finish, but I found the ending, you know, when he just makes his slow trip home, when he's emptying the shells out of his pockets, when he goes and just looks at his balcony, I felt like, 
that scene that that just wrapped it all up that was like the perfect yeah that's what happens when you come home scene and it's like okay now i feel like i get mac you know okay, before so, he was just an everyman but now i'm him you know <laughs> so last get... question on this movie then at the very end of course yeah. uh he calls or he doesn't call we see mac it kind of fades to him and then we see we go back to the town and we see the phone booth and it's ringing yeah, yeah. we never know who's calling we never know what's happening what do you make of that little bit there I was kind of annoyed because it did end perfectly on Mac looking at okay. the skyline. It was a perfect ending. And then they threw in the ringing telephone and it's not like it ruined the movie or anything, but I, it was kind of annoying. And I mean, my first instinct was that, well, okay, Mac is, is calling back. You know, this is Mac ringing up the town. He, he isn't happy that he left, you know, both so suddenly and at all. You know, it's just like, okay, he's reaching out for that connection again, and it's it's not there within telephone's reach. You know, he's not going to get that experience again by calling them up on the phone, because his experience was in person. He's no longer the telex man, you know, he wants the face-to-face. So, I mean, it can be deep and red like that. What did you think of? Yeah, I think it, it almost adds to the tragedy to think this is him not trying to make that connection. But everyone's yeah. ignoring him because they only answered the phone for him. Um, so apparently that the movie was originally going to end with just Mac on his balcony staring out at the abstracted uh, human-made lights. By the way, I wanted to mention uh, we have very few straight edges in the in the film in the middle part of it. Like it's a lot, a lot of natural or inside the bar or even at the party. Um, there's a lot of curved Im- curved pictures or whatever. Get back okay. to his place and everything's geometrical. Oh, even even the tiles on his counter. Yeah. 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 Um, so anyway, um, but that's a tangent. Um, they went to t- they had test screenings in the US and the American yeah. audiences didn't like the way the movie ended because they said it ends in tragedy where we don't have the sense of closure that Americans wanted. So they actually tried to get Forsyth to shoot a scene where Max starts to get on the helicopter and then gets off and says, no, I'm staying here. Oh, uh, yeah. I roll for, for those not watching on video, which is everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, and so they compromised by having it end with the ringing phone. And apparently that was the, they got the reaction they wanted to from that. People ended okay. up lacking that feeling of closure. Well, it's better than the alternative. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it, I like that it ends in this kind of enigma because mm-hmm. it, it could be whatever you think it is. Yeah, yeah, there's possibilities. It's interesting, um, but yeah, I, I do. I it just takes you away from that perfectly set up finale that he had. You know, that perfectly like I'm home now. Like, not only is Mac not going back there, we're not going back there. Yeah. You know, this is a fictional place. It's a movie. We enjoy being there. Max home, you know, the editor isn't going to cut away to seeing the happy village people building the laboratory, I sure hope. <laughs> and then they do kind of cut away to the village again, and it's sort of annoying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I also took it as like one last view at the, of those great photos before you move back to your regular life. Yeah. Yeah, it is that kind of feeling. You know, you get back <laughs> from a vacation on a Saturday. <laughs> 
you got work on Monday. <laughs> you look at your face, you post everything to Facebook on Sunday and yeah. make comments and you smile and you think, yeah, that was a good time. And then Monday you get back to the real world. Yeah. See this year, this year, me and my wife, we don't travel much, but we went to New York city for the first time this summer. And, you know, it was the same kind of magical sort of like, Hey, you get to know the people in the immediate vicinity. You get to know the geography really well. You know, we didn't do anything that was like breathtakingly life-changing or anything, but when you come home and you put your bags down and it's like, wow, that that's just a memory now. And I can always go back, but it, you know, it's just got the magic of being a memory. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Forsyth career has a little warning on this too, because he went back and did a sequel to Gregory's girl, like 25 years later or something in the nineties, yeah. Gregory's two girls. And it's universally pan. It's supposed to be a terrible oh, film. Is it? And the, <laughs> the comments are all seem to be, yeah, don't go back move on with your life. Yeah, well, I mean, I heard he his last movie before that one was in 1994, and it was like the first movie that he made that people really didn't like. And oh, then there's, a, about... there's an interview with him on the Criterion Blu-ray, and he talks about how he doesn't watch TV or movies because he doesn't like to watch things that have conflict in them. <laughs> He's not interested in conflict. It's not that he doesn't like conflict. He's not interested in watching conflict. Oh. just thinks conflict is not an intriguing <clears throat> to him because See, it feels made up he's like why do i need to watch and know what happens to these fictional characters they're fictional characters i'm not invested in their lives because they'll disappear from my screen as soon as i turn it off they're not interesting to me because they're not real which i thought was a it, very interesting comment uh, it's i mean i know people like that uh i i've heard that sentiment before where it's like, oh, I loved this because there wasn't much conflict in it, you know? And again, I can see the appeal. I love Local Hero, great movie. But I find it fascinating that Bill Forsyth had that opinion and then went on to be a filmmaker. Yeah, but he, he yeah, his least like films are the ones that have the most conflict, I think. Yeah. I guess the 94 movie with Robin Williams <clears throat> being human, I think it's called. Uh, uh, yeah, it's probably his least liked film in his career. <laughs> and it's got the most conflict i bet <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but see, i'm gonna talk about these yeah yeah and you know what i i have seen other movies that um have minimal conflict and leave me a lot less satisfied than these movies so okay. it was very nice to be one of these these hangout movies uh where you just you just go along with the characters um and really enjoy it you know, because sometimes, I mean, there's there's other movies like this, not too many, but there's other movies like this, and uh, they don't feel as good. You know. Yeah, and there's not there's not nearly as much going on just under the surface. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not to go on too much of a tangent, but the uh, uh, the Quentin Tarantino movie from a few years ago, Hollywood, whatever it was called, Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio. Once upon a time in Hollywood, yeah. I don't know. My friend loved that movie. He said, you know what? It's just a hangout movie. There's not a lot going on. You just go and you sit with the characters and watch them go about their actions. And you're just enjoying spending time with the people on screen. And then there's a big gory finish, <laughs> lots of violence and whatever. 
And yeah, I watched the movie with that in mind and thought, yeah, he's right. You know, I mean, you know how it's going to play out. It, it's a historical piece and it's using historical pieces. But like, I didn't really enjoy my time spent with those characters. And those are Hollywood figures. Those are major actors playing characters about Hollywood. You know, oh, you got the Mansons in there. You got all this stuff. It should have been like a spectacle instead of a hangout movie. And in this one, it's like, oh, these are real people. These people I like hanging out with. I, I don't want to see uh, Brad Pitt fighting Bruce Lee. I want to see this guy painting his fishing boat, you know? Yeah. yeah. It, it's interesting how the, the smaller it is, the bigger the impact. Oh, that's a great way of summing it up. The smaller it is, the bigger the impact. Yeah, weird. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Thank you.